This podcast was recorded live at RBC Waterpark Place. Welcome to RBC Disruptors. This is our monthly conversation about innovation, technology, and how it's changing everything around us. I'm John Stackhouse. It's my pleasure to host these conversations. And it's a real thrill to have John Chen here as our special guest to kick off uh, the new year. John needs no introduction. We're going to talk a lot about where he's uh, taking BlackBerry. But John, welcome to RBC and to Thank you. RBC Thank you, John. Disruptors. <laughs> We're going to talk about where BlackBerry is going, about the state of cybersecurity, about the Internet of Things and some amazing things going on there, AI and where you uh, want to see things go on that front, and of course the great challenges that we're now seeing on, uh, on the China front between China and the U.S. So lots of great uh, and important subjects uh, to get here today. But before we get into that, and especially into the BlackBerry story, John, I wonder if we can get a bit of background on you. Grew up in uh, Hong Kong. Tell us about the foundation there and what turned you on to technology? Well, um, well, first of all, very nice to be here and thank you for, for having me on. Um, the real answer is I really didn't have a choice. <laughs> um, when I was growing up in Hong Kong, this is obviously after World War II and, and my, my parents were refugee away from the communists um, and trying to make themselves alive like millions of people uh, at the time. Um, so we were all brought up to believe that if you study uh, math and science, you have a future. And if you don't study math and science, then you're useless. Um, and this is, of course, is absolutely wrong because I learned one of the big passion I, of mine in my middle age, uh, I'm, I'm an advanced age, so the middle age, which was a while back, is to start really appreciate the power of history uh, and and this is this is it. I mean, the, the society just makes sure that you you're either you know an, an, a, a math, science, engineers, med, doctor, and medical doctor or anything. And this have obviously has a lot to do with the history, of what happened in during World War II, where the Asian country, especially in China, felt you know very much behind in technology, and that created a lot of pain for the nation. And, and we're still living through that right now. Right? So, this, so the, the foundation really comes from um, working hard because you have to make something out for yourself, but you really got to study the right thing. And then today you're known as the turnaround guy. We'll talk about a couple of your turnarounds. But uh, did you set out to be that? Does one prepare to be a turnaround guy? No, it's, it's more, probably more an attitudinal thing than... than um, uh, what's, what, what's the attitude? Well, you, uh, you know, I like to make things... I, a couple of things I like, I enjoy. I enjoy the challenge of doing something different. Uh, I'll get back to why that, that you know, uh, how that is related to the answer to your questions. And number two, I like to fix things. I, I always like to fix things. Although I'm not handy, you know... <laughs> at all. <laughs> I remember one year um, we moved to, uh, 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 you know, we had the last move to the current house I was in. We have very, very high ceiling um, and they're all recessed lights. So my wife asked me to change a light bulb. I look it up. I said, you can't change that light bulb. I'll die changing that light bulb. <laughs> uh, so I said, Maybe you get somebody else to come do it. 
And she, she looked at me like in shock and saying like, are you kidding? I'm gonna go hire a handyman to change your light bulb? <laughs> and, and so ever since those time, every time we have you know, family, friends and stuff, and we go to dinner, we, we, the, the topic of being handy, like, we got friends that you know, try to show me off by saying that they could build staircases right, in a house. This is ridiculous, right? But, <laughs> so you, you're, you're, you're not... Anyway, I don't know why I got off that, that topic. But the point is, I, I like to fix things. Um, I also like to do things most people think is not doable. Mm. Okay? I, I said it many, many times and in my prior life. Um, I had a Wall Street Journal interview, and then they said, why are you doing this to yourself? And I said, well, one, I couldn't find a better job. Two... And which I come back to that. Two um, is that I think you you run the death bell too early, mm. and, and and you know so I like to accept that challenge. So far, so far I've been lucky, um, not 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 destroying value uh, versus uh, building value. Let me get back to the point about I kept saying referring I couldn't get a job because you, the one thing about you like to do things. Um, you like to do things different, which I like. I like to do mm. things. I started as a hardware engineer, designing chipsets. Uh, that's what I learned from school. Um, and then I got into management, um, and you know, and uh, I got in sales. I got into product marketing, and anyway, long story. Of, I got into different things. Then I decided that I want to go to software. So then I ran a company called Sybase, um, and. If the company is doing extremely well, would they really go out and hire a hardware engineer to run a software company which is completely broken? I mean, you sit back and think a little about it. Is that what you're going to do? Like, if you have, you have a medical problem, were you really going to go get a doctor that had never done it before, that is very eager to do it? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't, but... So, I'm serious. I, I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, it's like, so I look for opportunity. Like, you know what? I like to try that because through that process, I'll learn something. And and and, and actually, I did get lucky. So I went from hardware to software now to wireless handset, mobile stuff. Um, had Rim been doing really well, and you know, there were never a launch of a iPhone. Uh, you think I'll be sitting here talking to you at this? You know, this is a real great opportunity for me. And I'm, I'm really happy in what I do. I, I, I enjoy what I do. It's, it's, uh, it's hard. <laughs> Sometimes it's really, really tough. You have to have a right attitude about it. And you have to get up every day and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create more values. Um, and you're going to have some setback. And you just say, hey, if it's not broken, they don't need me. So what was the opportunity you saw in BlackBerry when they came to you? Well, we all grew up with BlackBerry. I remember, just like a lot of the story, um, that, that was kind of the badge of honor. You know, I remember when, when I was an engineer, um, starting out, running around the plants, really big plant, uh, physically. Yeah. Um, so we were building mainframes. So that you, it's not like everybody sitting in front of the a desk and have a PC. We're building mainframes. It's very hard to get on time. Anyway, so if you're somebody your manager needs to get hold of, meaning that you're important, 
at least you feel like you're important. Uh, then you get a pager, rim pager. I don't know how people remember the rim pager. I, and that's like a badge. I mean, that's like you make sure you wear it outside or your lab coat, mm. you know, like this. Yeah. Like, the gun, you know, like the police said that they like to show you the guns, you know. I thought, I thought BlackBerry is, is very iconic, the way it changes how we work and how we live, uh, how we communicate. I thought it was an extremely iconic company um, that is not only for Canada, but for the world. But for all the, you know, if you look at the Apple game plan, the number one company that they're most afraid of, that Steve Jobs was most afraid of, was RIM. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's well, well documented. Uh, and they keep talking about, we gotta take RIM down, we gotta take RIM down. And they did. <laughs> but, uh, but the point is, <laughs> RIM actually took, took ourselves down. That's a different issue. Um, there, you, there we go. But you go in there in 2013, and it's uh, easy to forget how down it was at the time. What was the single most important thing you did in the first, let's say, year to begin the turnaround? Mm. Um, every turnaround is pretty much the same. Um, when it gets to the stage that I enter the scene, um, it, it's usually, it's usually, um, it's one of those things that you, you, you start needing to, to, to book the priest. Uh, yeah. Um, so we, uh, we have a balance sheet, sheet crisis at the time. Um, and we literally ran out of cash and we owe a lot of money to a lot of the vendors, uh, our suppliers. We had to work all those deals out. I think the first set of things that we've done is to really, uh, uh, you know, kind of get the balance sheets in order. Four years later, five, five years later, how far along are you? Well, um, we... I'll, I'll, I'll use this. I mean I, I, I mean, I could give you the song and dance about how great, how great we've done and how brilliant my leadership has been. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll skip that song okay. and dance. Right. I'll give you one data point. Um, in 2013, when I entered the scene, we owned probably a couple of billion dollars to various vendors and so forth, and we actually don't have more than a billion and a half. So that's, that's that data point. Um, last year, we committed to write a $1.4 billion check to buy a AI company, artificial intelligence company. So there, yeah. there goes the All thing. cash. Yeah. All cash. Yeah, well done. Ooh, talk, to us, um, talk to us a bit about where BlackBerry is today. It, it, you're, you're presenting it to the world as a software company, but people still in their minds and in many hands still see it as a device company. How long, how much longer is it going to be a device company? Well, we really uh, don't do any more device. Um, what we do is we license our operating systems um, for, especially in it, you know, it's famous for security and safety. We license our operating systems to people that would like to build a device. And in some cases in China and uh, India and uh, in Indonesia, um, they will have their local supplier of phones with the BlackBerry label on, um, and we will then do a qualification QA on, on that. So, and, and we like to take that model into more Internet of Things rather than just the phones. I think the phones is one of those battles that's worth fighting, but it was a 
you know, it was kind of a last year battle or the previous times battle. Why, why is it worth fighting if it was last year? Well, it's worth fighting because there's still going to be a lot of phones that made every, every year. Um, and there, I think the phones styles and model will bifurcate. Uh, it's not all, it, it, the world is not going to a thousand dollar phone uh, as, as, you know, Apple would have wanted it, you know, and the next phone would be $1,200 and be $1,500. I think they, they, they got the inflation chart wrong mm. a little bit. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I believe so there are people... Apple got the inflation chart wrong. Do you think the price of phones is... I think the prices of phone. I down? think the price of the phone will come down. Um, it, 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 this is not even um, expert opinion. If you just sit back and think about one simple thing, uh, which is one element of the new phones, and it is not just Apple, you know, it could include Blackberry, it could include Android and Samsung phones and all that. What real technology breakthrough are you looking at in the last two years? Better camera? Yep, better camera. <laughs> That's it, right? I mean, it really is. Um, so same software, same cloud-based interface, same everything. Um, so uh, when, when the innovation starting to slow down, that doesn't mean it can't come through. When the innovation starting to slow down, the margin will come down. And the margin come down, and then there's a big enough market out there, the price will go down. I mean, that's just facts of life. It's just like the desktop PC you have today. Right. So if, if we're seeing this secular uh, trend in the har on the hardware side, why still call yourself BlackBerry? If you're why? Why do you still call yourself BlackBerry if that's identified with hardware? Oh. Hardware is. A good, that's a good question. A lot of people ask me about that. You know, since we are now focusing on software, surfaces, security, so forth, um, why still call it BlackBerry? First of all, I hope you know. I hope most of you all are Canadian here. Um, um, I, I feel that there's enormous amount of equity in the brand. Um, I, you know, it's one of those brands that I like to make it better first before we even contemplate changing names. This is a, this is a, um, a analogy that you find me uses all the time because I ask this question almost, you know, not every week, but every month probably, um, somewhere, including government people. Um, because if you, if you run into those uh, branding experts, um, they will ask you, they will tell me that you really ought to change your name because your story is a little different. Uh, I sat back and thought about it the following thing. So I assume you have one child that is not doing well in school and failing math. So I have a question for you. Do you then go to school the next morning and change his name? <laughs> Uh, let's not call him John. Let's call him David, because you know then 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 maybe maybe the English teacher or the math teacher forgotten that David David is not John, so David will do really well. Now I don't know how who come up with that 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 irrational strategy of any kind. BlackBerry. When I told people about BlackBerry, first of all. Um, everybody say, oh, yes, I was the last one to give up your phone. I was, I was, cr I was crying when that, they took it away. 
uh, and so forth and so forth. I still haven't met the last one yet because every day I met the, the last one. <laughs> so, and unfortunately, we still have about 3 million BlackBerry user, phone user out there on our system. We could see it lit up. So I still have to meet 3 million more people being the last one. <laughs> there will be a last one. By the way, an, an, the very last one, I decided to put a statue. Uh, here, here lies the last one. Um, but, not, but not yet. Not yet. You've got 3 million. It will take a while. Um, There's an, an amazing brand value there. It's exactly. Your, your, and your and so you never change name when you're not doing well. You focus on doing well. Right? And then when you do well, that's a different time, time zone. Now you're in a sense, you say, okay, I need to broaden what I represent. Okay, now you have earned the rights to change name. Okay? In fact, nowadays I get a lot of meetings by saying we're BlackBerry, and then most people that granted at the visit would say, well, let's see what these guys are up to. Isn't that more powerful than, you know, let's say I call myself ABC and say, oh, by the way, the CEO of ABC would like to talk to you about security. I don't think I'm going to get too many meetings. They say, huh? You know, there are like 500 companies want to talk to me about security. And I'm okay with security. That's fine. You know, and, and, and so changing names, I thought through it, it's a bad deal. <laughs> so let, let, let's talk a bit about what, right. uh, what you are doing and where your strategy is going. Maybe start with uh, um, the, the world of EMM, of enterprise mobility management. Um, Curious, you know, you're up against some heavyweights there, like IBM. Uh, this is how we kind of manage our lives on our on our on our devices, uh, and you're in the background of that. When you go into those meetings, what do you say that you've got that those other vendors may not have? Um, we we are, from every review and um, uh, runoff or point, you know, POCs and. Proof of concept, mm. sorry, proof of concept. Uh, we are the most secure um, software, so that's, that's the calling card. And this is why the strategy in the last few years has been very much focused on um, regulator industries, the people that has to prove to the regulators that you have done everything you possibly could do for, for, uh, for security. And, and uh, that's what our calling card has been, and we're focusing now on healthcare, and we're quite big in transportation. I don't know if you know that. And this is kind of the interesting. Transportation um, is actually more and more political nowadays. You know, in Canada, of course, you had that whole incidence with GM getting our some of the car manufacturer site here. Um, that doesn't mean GM won't be in Canada, but it's just that for the at least the metal bending part of it, it won't be here. Um, we do a lot of work with GM and Ford and um, in so uh, tell us about the opportunity there. When you say transportation, you're talking vehicles prim primarily. And as our vehicles are more and more their, uh, their uh, technology devices and therefore need to be secure, what's the, uh, what's the play there for BlackBerry? Oh, um, so um, we have um, an operating system. It's the only safety certified operating system under ISO. Uh, the operating system is called QNX. It's in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. um, and we designed... Um, software component that goes into the cars. 
um, and usual, used to be infotainment systems. Now we're into uh, cockpit and you know, hypervisor, over-the-air technologies, and um, ADOS, which is your lane, fancy name for like your lane changing. When, when you lane change, you've got beeping and all that. Um, um, so, and we're protecting a car from a cyber perspective. Next generation, we're gonna install more artificial intelligence uh, technology in that. So, so there are a lot of things that we do with it. There are 120 million cars, by the way, um, and, that actually uses the Canadian technology um, uh, today in the world. And in the world, there's only about 1.1 billion cars, so there's 120 million already using, using technology from BlackBerry. And what's the revenue opportunity there for, uh, for BlackBerry over the next five years? How do you monetize what QNX um, So we sell developing? the component into the design through the tier one. The tier one are the people like the Bosch and the Aptiv and Panasonic, Denso, LG, and so they are the integrators for the car OEMs, car manufacturer. Now more and more we're directly working with Ford, in the case that we're working with Ford and, and uh, Jaguar, um, Land Rover, uh, so we're helping them to design the next generation car. So when they ship the car, we got the royalty, basically. And our job is to get them more and more, more of our technology into the car and many copies of it. So, and, and in the future, is to monitor um, the, the security readiness of vehicle that got put on the road. So that's just a huge opportunity going forward. Now that's just the car. Mm -hmm. Then you have the whole idea, uh, the thing about the drones. Then you have the, you know, the planes, and, and we're working on truck uh, container and tractor for security reasons. Um, so so that, that transportation market is huge. You mentioned AI, uh, and you've got a big deal still. I don't think it's closed yet, but uh, you're, you, you've clearly stated your ambitions for AI. Give us a sense of how you think AI is going to redirect BlackBerry in the space that you're, you're in. Yeah, um, so, so security is really about a cat and mouse game. Uh, and, and so um, we need the predictive technology uh, that are continuously um, updated themselves. Um, and so... You know, AI is just another fancy name. It's a very fancy name uh, for, you know, predictive machine, machine predictive learning algorithm. That's basically it. Uh, um, so, so we know we need that technology because we're more interested about endpoints, not just devices, not just a laptop or, or a, a router. Uh, we, we wanted to be able to manage everything large and small, and have them talk to each other in a very secure manner. And that's what our game plan is for the long term. And so um, having the ability to manage and, and predict the, um, the, 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 the evolution of what's in the endpoint, it's extremely important. So this is why we're making a big investment in AI. You're also up against some very sophisticated players. Google and Apple probably have ambitions to do something similar, if not the same thing. How do you compete with them? What's your competitive advantage? You, just, you, need, to, you need to focus. Um, you need to focus on what you do best. As I said, we just back up again. You know, BlackBerry's been doing security uh, and connectivity, call it communication. BlackBerry's been doing communication and security for 30 plus years, where we have a lot of competition they also have a different focus. A lot of them, like Google, if they focus on user interface. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them focus on 
managing data, you know, and and um, monetizing that data to create trends. Um, so we don't do any of those stuff. We are we are strictly a transport for secure. We don't take a look at any of the data. We never used it. We don't care about it. We actually have an algorithm uh, to discard it in a very short time. So we don't actually have, we don't have your data, for example. Right, and you, and you want to keep that focus, as you say, just on the yes, pure, pure players. We, we don't have any plans whatsoever to use um, data from our customer, no. So security has become a pitch battle, uh, certainly between the US and China, and I want to get to the China question. And I wanted to ask you how we should be thinking about what's going on. If you step back and look at this battle, uh, don't think it's a war yet, but it could be between the US and China with Huawei, mm -hmm. which you know well, in, uh, in the middle. What should we be thinking as we look at uh, how this is evolving? Well, um, so uh, I, I think, first off, trading, cross-border trading, um, is one, is a cat that out of the bag that will never be put back in a bag, okay? Now, you, the, the pro-trader, uh, will give you all the statistics of how many people in the world that we lifted out of the uh, poverty class, okay? How they have benefit, uh, the global trade had benefit, um, the size of the pie, uh, the GDP size of the pie, which we enjoyed, um, with, along with everybody else in, in the world. It does enhance peace, um, and that, so I am, I am a trade proponent, uh, a free trade proponent. Um, so, Therefore, whatever setback we have today, um, it might take a little while, but I don't mean a long while, I think a little while. Um, and I'll get back to why I say that. Um, I am a, uh, I'm an optimist. Uh, it will resolve uh, with some kind of a deal. These are all posturing for a deal. Then the question is, how good is the deal on either side? Um, I, I'm, there is actually no other way. Let me give you some example why there's no other way. Um, currently, both um, in the U.S.-China trade dispute, both countries are hurting. Um, uh, the Chinese are probably hurting first because they are a bigger part of the supplier, uh, and the Americans will hurt later, later, a little later. However, even with that, without that, if you look at the global supply chain, and I'll just stick with technology. We'll just stick with uh, cell phone, routers, PCs. Uh, there are very few goods that these two countries make and trade that does not rely on each other's supply logistics. Could we change that? Absolutely. We could definitely move everything including sourcing materials to Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia. First you have to deal with quality issues and you have to deal with the startup issues. And in, in addition to all that, I don't think the raw materials distribution around the world will allow that to do it in a very smooth manner. So therefore, I think there is no choice but countries will have to come back to the table and the question is, what, what, what concessions 
what deals could be hammered out. So you, you mentioned supply chain, and that immediately brings to, to mind what's going on with 5G. And Huawei is a big part of the supply chain. A lot of the networks here would say, look, we can't do this, at least competitively, um, at a price point that consumers want without that sort of competition in the, in the supply chain. How do you see that re resolving itself over the next, uh, it's probably going to be a couple of years? Well, um, so the thing that's hurt Huawei is they are not the only 5G supplier, the gear suppliers. Um, you know, in, in Canada, a big project has been rolled out with Ericsson. Mm -hmm. All right, so, um, so there, are, there are competitors around the world. Um, so, you know, how I, how I think it played out is initially Huawei will have a hard time selling 5G to the Western world, especially to the 5 i countries. So the five eyes can live without Huawei right. and still roll out. I, I think that's going to have to be a reality for a while. The only possibility over time is just like what Microsoft did in China, which is that they will have to open up their source and, and for examinations, and, and there will be a control upgrade uh, along the way. That will take a while, but that's, I, I see no other way for Huawei to get back in the game without doing so. And how confident are you that this is going to be resolved in oh, the next I'm, couple of years? I, I, I'm, I'm confident it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. So when you, we, we've, we've talked about a lot of issues here today, but it all comes back to technology. And I'm, I'm curious when you step back and look at what technology is doing in the world today, are you more optimistic or more concerned? Well, it's, it's, it, I'm more optimistic. Uh, it's unavoidable. Um, I mean, we, we are in... Um, in an era that uh, everything goes digital, everything's go connected. Um, and, and so a bad note propagates. Um, it's not like in a lockdown state when you're the bad note, the bad, you, you just contain the bad note. So it propagates. So I think the, 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 the whole IoT and the cloud movement are all the right thing for efficiency, effectiveness, saving lives, and the whole, all the good things you said, you could check that. Um, I, I, I do believe that it brings in the enormous amount of challenge on, on keeping the integrity of the systems. But overall, you're more optimistic. I, I, I'm, yeah. You're a techno-optimist. Yeah, yeah we, we, we're definitely so much better off than 50 years ago, right. 30 years ago. Um, things um, not only happen quickly, but put, could propagate quickly. So same thing with good things. Right? Good things will happen quickly. Um, medicine... Uh, new drugs um, get developed and approved much faster in cycle than they used to be with, with the aid of technology. Great. So that's a beneficial benefit to humans. Thanks to the audience both here, here in person and most of all, thank you John Chen for, uh, for a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for downloading RBC Disruptors. Our show this week was produced and edited by Vocalfry Studios. You can reach us at rbcdisruptors at rbc.com and join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag RBC Disruptors. Thanks so much for listening.